This is the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. And now your host, Avi Kravitz. This podcast is brought to you by De Beers Group Ignite, pioneering a new diamond world through groundbreaking innovation, science, and technology. Inspired by the world's unrelenting change, De Beers Ignite is driven to develop creative solutions for the diamond industry, not only for existing challenges, but also for those it may never have faced before, helping you to achieve growth with efficient and accurate technologies throughout the diamond pipeline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rapport Diamond Podcast. I'm Avi Kravitz, and our guest today is Iris van der Wierken, who is the CEO of the Responsible Jewelry Council. For those of you who are not aware of the RJC, as it's called, um, you should be. It's the organization that sets standards for responsible supply chains within the jewelry and watch industry. So Iris has a job that cannot be underestimated and is of growing importance given its focus, I would say. So Iris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, uh, Avi, for having me. I'm really looking forward to this uh, conversation with you. Me too. And it's such an important um, topic that uh, the RJC deals with, and it's an evolving topic as well. And we're coming up on three years in uh, in your role as CEO at the, at the RJC. And uh, it does feel like the organization has evolved in that time. And I think that um, that's also the issue of sustainability and responsible sourcing has taken more center stage, um, not only within the industry, but also um, in across all industries. Um, how would you sum up the evolution of the RJC over the last few years and its focus? Well, um, Avi, I think it's always good to go back to the roots and the, you know, the momentum that it was founded, because you always have to think the Responsible Jury Council was actually founded in 2005 right. by 14 founding members. Uh, from different parts of the supply chain, such as, you know, the Beers, uh, Signet, Cartier, Tiffany. So it was quite interesting because sustainability wasn't, you know, yet uh, a big item at that moment. But the industry did decide it was really important to set a standard from mining to retail um, to protect the industry and to really uh, uh, enhance uh, trust. Uh, and if you think about it, 2005, 14 founding members Today, uh, 2022, we have uh, over 1,500 members uh, in 71 countries, uh, a lot of small enterprises also, but the biggest brands of the world. So we have really evolved as an organization in membership. But I think the most important thing is that we also evolved in shaping a standard because, of course, society evolves, regulation evolves, uh, expectations of stakeholders evolve. And uh, today, the uh, Code of Practices, because that is the uh, standard of Responsible Jury Council, is aligned with the OEC due diligence and the UN guiding principles on business and human rights. And that's really important because it's a really effective, strong mechanism that can help companies integrate management systems um, to integrate sustainability at the core of their business strategy. Right. Uh, but um, what was true in 2005 when it began, it began is, is surely not, um, not, not true today. So as the, the discussions at, as you say, the OECD and the, and the, and the United Nations, I would imagine as well, um, evolved. So the RJC sort of followed that, followed that track. Is, is, that, is that a correct assumption? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, what we see is that uh, companies are not taking 
the audit as just a momentum of certification. They're really taking uh, the RGC code of practices as a tool to help them embed good systems into their organization. Um, and what we also see is that there's a, a trend, and that's really good, that there's a movement going on also to look much more beyond, you know, what am I doing beyond legal compliance? What am I doing to show a positive economic development uh, with my company? And, and that's also the direction that we need to take it um, mm. because we have a huge responsibility as an industry and all industries to really, uh, to really contribute to development. Well, what does the code of practices um, entail? We tend to throw out these uh, big definitions and these kind of uh, trade terms that you know we, as part of the trade, are familiar with the with the lingo. Um, but the 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 person, the average person on the street, might be a bit overwhelmed by by these definitions and, and terms. So, when a company undergoes that um, that audit. And, uh, and and commits to the code of practices. What does it really mean? What does it entail in in layman's terms? Well, first of all, it means is when a company and you know when a CEO, a leader of an organization, small or big, uh, commits themselves to implement the code. What they first will do is they will look at their operations, their direct operations, and their wider supply chain uh, at how they are managing. Uh, human rights, labor practices, um, health and safety measures, for example, in a factory. And that can be really quick wins like, you know, protective equipment. Uh, has my team been trained? You have a health and safety officer. But of course, also much more challenging uh, topics such as due diligence. You know, do I know my supply chain? With who am I working? Do they have management systems into place? And if they do not, will how will I help my wider supply chain to embed uh, a systematic approach to sustainability. Uh, and what is the strength of the code, Avi, is that it is really holistic. And what I mean by that is when you talk about sustainability, you can't just say, okay, well, it's one component. For example, only labor practices. No, that's the strength of the code that it's about moving beyond legal compliance, that it does look at human rights due diligence, that it looks at um, labor practices, at health and safety, at product integrity and disclosure, at climate action, etc. So it gives different approaches, it guides companies, uh, and it gives tools for companies to really embed those management systems into their operations. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, so I, I would imagine that it's quite... Um, you know, if I if I'm a business owner, I can look at my business and my operations and uh, and be quite confident in my uh, ability to meet those standards. But then I think, as you alluded to, the the tricky part comes when you when you're dealing with those people further along the supply chain. Who am I buying um, goods from, and how do I ensure that? those um, diamonds or gemstones or gold, whatever it is, meet those same standards. So it's a matter of, you know, so that I can, I can uh, ensure my customer that, that, the, that, that my goods are responsibly sourced right um, all the way down the supply chain. Um, th that would, I would imagine that's the biggest challenge within the, the code of practices to, to ensure that. I think that's the biggest challenges for all industries when you talk about sustainability, because you always are talking about connected, uh, multi-tier supply chains. 
mm. and they're global. Um, and but I think what is really good is that we see a lot of progress that companies are going beyond their direct operations, rightly so, because you know they have a an enormous responsibility to look further. Uh, and what you will see uh, at the beginning, uh, Avi, is that most of the time companies will look, of course, from a risk perspective. They will look at, you know, who do I, who am I buying from? You know, what are my my majority contractors? We talk about so how much percentage of my business really depends on them, and how much control do I have over their supply chain? Mm. Um, but I think the good news is, and that's especially driven also, you know, a lot by by brands, but also by the mining houses, that there's really a push to that supply chain. Uh, and looking beyond and also bringing them along the journey. Because we have to be very honest. And I always say, if somebody tells me that there's a perfect picture of sustainability, that does not exist because we live in an imperfect world. Right. Um, but what is really important is that you have commitment at the top, that you embed it, that it really becomes a culture within your organization so it's really driven by by your values and it makes all it, mean, it means also making commercial decisions sometimes probably tough decisions uh, what you will do or you will not do uh, and actually uh, and then measuring understanding year by year how you're doing better um so yeah it's 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 uh, it's a serious exercise but you know it's uh, it's non-negotiable i say i believe uh, avi that companies that will not do it they will be out of the market it's a matter of time. Well, I think you you also see more RJC members um, saying that they will, you know, within a, a, a time frame, only deal with other G RJC members. And on the one hand, that's good for the responsible aspect of the supply chain. Um, on the other hand, it kind of creates this ex exclusivity type of thing. Um, but maybe it's an aspiration for others to get in or, or a, um, a motivation for others to get into that sort of um, RJC club, so to speak. On the point of, of uh, uh, RJC is a community. It's a community of, of, of confidence. And it's important for the audience that's listening is that all the materials, so the code of practices, the training, the webinars, the tools, the, the, the due diligence toolkits, Everything is available for everyone on our website. So also non-RJC members. And I think that's also an important role we play, Avi. We do not want to be an exclusive club. On the contrary, we want to be there to bring the whole industry along the journey. I'm not asking everyone to become RJC member. I believe it's a really in, in a, a great opportunity and it will give a lot of business value. But as long as companies implement our code of practices, and they, and they uh, are indeed able to get uh, third-party independent accredited uh, uh, audit. You know, that's where, where it's very meaningful to become RJC member because otherwise you don't have a control system. You can say, well, I have great management systems, but you don't have that independent view. Having said that, I think, I think the, um, the other perhaps misconception out there is that it's, a, it's an organization that's... Um, that involves the sort of the big corporations and you have the big brands. But what, what you mentioned earlier is that um, you have had this sort of membership drive and an increase in membership among small, smaller enterprises and smaller businesses. Um, and I think that's important for, for the wider industry to understand that it's, it's, uh, it's an inclusive organization that is accessible to 
um, and and perhaps a way to connect with with those bigger brands through um, through that communal aspect of the of the organization. Yeah, I think it's a matter of uh, of of perception because the facts you know facts matter, Avi, and and the facts are that we are now over seventy percent small enterprises. But of course, because often people look at the big brands that are participating, that are very aspirational, you know, that might give uh, a different perspective to some people. But I think that's the beauty of it, that, you know, within a lot of working groups, you have so many different players from different parts of the supply chain. And since our new code of practices that also includes silver and colored gemstones, you know, this again brings a new dynamic to the industry because it's important, you know, jewelry has different uh, materials. And that's of course why we also uh, are developing a lab grown material standard this year. Right. So, so you've mentioned a few times the, 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 the issue of sustainability and um, within the industry and within our reporting on at Rapport, we've, we've spoken a lot about um, ESG aspects of the, of business and industry that's environmental, social and governance, um, governance and and we've really seen more of the well we've seen the the conversation around these issues really ramp up in the last um, year or two or three what do you think is driving that um, rising importance of sustainability uh, within among the within industry uh, well there are definitely uh, different drivers and I think the first uh, driver is of course uh, consumers uh, there's an enormous movement going on by millennials and Gen Z and uh, I'm sure that you have gone through the De Beers Insights report but I think it's always interesting to look at some facts that uh, consumers are looking for assurance of a brand sustainability credentials um, for diamonds, for example, this needs to go beyond provenance to also connect consumers to social purpose. So uh, what we see is that this consumer is not just about telling, but it wants to really understand, uh, it wants to understand uh, impact. Uh, and uh, we also saw uh, a significant impact by younger consumers on industry growth and business practices as they redefine luxury to include sustainability. For example, uh, in a 2021 report by the Natural Diamond Council, diamonds were identified by millennials and Gen Z as the most desirable luxury item and over 50% self-gift. Bain Co. reports that in 2019, millennials and Gen Z accounted for 100% of luxury growth and represent over 35% of the luxury consumer market. They also found that 80% of these luxury consumers, especially millennials, preferred socially responsible brands. And when they talk about uh, socially responsible, they want credentials. So they do want assurance. So, we, you know, everyone has to stay away from, you know, greenwashing or bluewashing or whatever. They, they want to understand the facts behind the product and how, again, that product is contributing to development and positive social impact. So evolving from doing no harm to doing good. And so the first drive is definitely consumer. At the same time, you have regulations. Uh, you refer to it, Avi, ESG. Uh, ESG will be the only way forward. If you look at what the EU is doing on, uh, on, uh, on reporting, uh, uh, India, uh, the UAE in Abu Dhabi, just uh, on ESG reporting on the stock market, I mean, I can reference you 10, 12 uh, legal instruments that are at this moment in process. 
So this is just this is going to continue to accelerate. So regulation is of course an important driver. Uh, another driver is the brands because uh, you know some of the most famous jewelry brands are already a few steps ahead. So of course they also set the tone. And then uh, I think another driver is you know talent. The word for talent, I believe, uh, uh, people want to work for a company with purpose and with societal value. And that's across industries. So if we want to stay competitive and attract talent in our industry and in different parts of the supply chain, so in manufacturing, in retail, we need to be in a, an attractive industry. And then finally, I think the last one is just societal expectations. Um, if you, if we've seen, you know, the whole uh, past two, three years, what's going on, on uh, ethics and values and what happened uh, uh, in, in the U.S. and with Black Lives Matter and, and so many movements, um, people expect trust and people expect companies to do good. So in that sense, I believe over the 20 years that I've been working in this industry that I have never seen such a movement. Right. It's, it certainly has um, gained momentum in the last few years. And I, and I agree with you. I think all those aspects um play into it. I, th I think, um, you know, just to, to pick two of those, and that, that is the, um, the consumer interest in sustainability and also um, the, the role that the brands play, um, and, and then tying that into the RJC's role. I think that the brands have their own programs, and it's more a question of um, underpinning their their storytelling and their messaging that um, that's already strong for them. But for a small enterprise, how can it use the RJC as a tool to give those assurances to consumers? Is the consumer aware of the RJC, or is that something that um, that the RJC? Is working to uh, to sort of increase its um, its uh, airtime amongst within the consumer headspace. Um, I, I think it's a great question, Avi. Uh, it's definitely a direction that we want to go into, uh, have more consumer facing communications, but through our members. What is really important is, you know, a consumer wants trust. So when that consumer goes into a store and buys a product. It's looking for trust and it wants to understand indeed the credentials. And what is really important, I believe, when you communicate to the consumer that you tell the facts right and that also they have a place to go if they want more information. Uh, but that should be driven by the members telling their stories, what they're doing, but also telling uh, how they're implementing the code of practices. And uh, but, you're, you know, uh, I'm, I'm really happy to share here that we are indeed working much harder on consumer facing communications and toolkits to the members, what how they can talk about the RJC. But again, also not over promising. I think it's really important. The RJC is about management systems, embedding strong management systems into an organization. Um, and uh, uh, we have to be careful that you don't go into the whole you know, product uh, category. So um, I'm very confident that that will also only accelerate because we see more and more of our members also communicating carefully about what they're doing. And I think that's the right direction. And I always advise our members, just do it step by step, you know, don't overwhelm uh, your stakeholders and also, um, and be honest about it. You know, you might have issues you need to focus on, 
uh, then talk about it and how you have a plan of action to resolve it. Right, right. I don't think it's the necessarily the role of the RJC to be a brand. Um, you know, it's a, it's a for that cons for that um, inquisitive consumer. It's a it's a more it's a it's sort of a signature that that they can rely on. Um, and uh, and and the, and that's where I think uh, I, I wouldn't imagine a company using the RJC as an advertising tool, you know, to, to drive their <laughs> to drive their demand. No, but no, but you no, did no. you you did create um, create a uh, a campaign, or you you came up with a campaign called Cre um, Creating Beautiful, right? And it, what what was the purpose behind that campaign? What 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 is the idea behind it? Well, um, Creating Beautiful uh, was developed uh, during COVID um, because what we saw was actually we never, we never saw such growth within the RJC, 20% growth despite COVID. So we saw all these small enterprises reaching out to become RJC um, certified and also asking about management tools for their factories, what they can do. And we thought that was amazingly encouraging that there was so much goodwill going on in the industry. And then we said, okay, let's talk about creating beautiful. Indeed, the launch was a video with uh, many of the big brand CEOs who made a statement, you know, why it's so important to create beauty. But what, me, what we mean by creating beauty is that uh, behind the beauty we create, you know, from design and using, um, using certain materials and, and having innovation, that behind that product needs to be strong processes that protect the supply chain and that protect people and really create purpose. So it was really a purpose-driven campaign, um, which has been very successful. Um, but again, we also don't want to, like you say, over-advertise. It was more about, you know, having this purpose, having the CEOs also give that message. You know, you have in that the CEO from uh, the Beers, from Alrosa, from Bulgari, uh, from Cartier, from IWC, uh, Diamonds Do Good. Um, and that was also interesting, you know, working all together to give that messaging. It's interesting you mentioned that it's, uh, you know, that your membership increased despite COVID, but um, it could even be, you know, because of COVID that companies are became more more sensitive to, to ESG and sustainability and, and, and responsible sourcing issues. Um, is is that a is that a fair assumption? Is that is that something that you picked up on? Well, I, I picked up on it, Avi, because you know uh, because of facts. You know, I'm a person from facts and figures. Is that if you look at all the reports uh, from investors and from ESG experts, and from example, also if you look at uh, Arabesque and some of the uh, other uh, asset management companies. You, you really clearly could see data of companies that had strong ESG uh, management systems and then their performance, uh, you know, during COVID. Because they, they had such strong management systems into place, they were able to handle much more the disruption, uh, the management of people, uh, and had a systematic approach. And so responsible business is resilient business. Um, what we saw at the same time in our industry is that, uh, indeed, there was this acceleration of movement of mostly smaller enterprises that uh, reached out to the RJC, you know, with lots of practical questions also. Mm. Um, 
and and that could be you know I have a manufacturing site uh, you know somewhere and it uh, you know I, I'm not doing business now and and then you know looking at uh, what government could do and then what they should do and how would they be able to keep their talent because if that would go away and and lots of you know lots of uh, lots of questions uh, came in uh, and uh, so what we saw was a lot of care so I think the whole crisis also brought I think a drive of more responsibility to understand yes well uh, especially in an industry of beauty and emotions right. I always say we have we need to double up on responsibility right right it's uh, it, it definitely enhances the me- the message but I think all all those sort of tie into the the factors that you you mentioned earlier that are driving the 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 interest in the increased interest in in sustainability that was sort of amplified I would say during during covid I know that uh, myself as a consumer um I think we all became a little bit more sensitive to to these issues um you know particularly environmental as uh, you know at, at the beginning I think we were all very sort of had this moment where everything was shut down and we were given a, a chance to breathe and and sort of take note of our um of our surroundings um and and so through our consumerism it it became more important as well um the the from what i understand the the rjc has sort of set this um agenda for for the for the next decade um the rjc 2030 um agenda do you want to do you want to um explain what that is what the focus is on um you know uh, that that would outline the 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 short to medium term goals of the of the organization and and the industry as a whole absolutely um I think the 2030 agenda, so the 17 sustainable development goals, is a topic very close to my heart. Because when we talk about sustainability over the past, you know, 20 years, a lot has been written. You know, what is sustainability? What's the definition? Um, and, and what can companies do? And actually, in 2015, there was a big milestone worldwide when 193 countries finally agreed on the 17 sustainable development goals, roadmap to humanity, 2030. So it's a target date. By 2030, we want to achieve these 17 goals. And these goals are interconnected, uh, of course, and uh, there's a role for government, there's a role for business, there's a role for NGOs. It needs to be collective. And um, when I became, uh, when I joined the RJC three years ago, it was one of the first discussions that we had was how can we collectively also as an industry show positive impact. Uh, And that means also is that companies need to understand how they can contribute um, to this agenda. Um, So I thought it was a really great opportunity for the RJC on one hand to educate the industry, you know, what what are the goals? How can you understand materiality? In other words, which goals are the most relevant to your business? And then how can you look at your contribution to these goals and over time measure. So that's in a nutshell. And uh, we uh, worked with really big experts. And one of them is, I'm really proud about that, is Georg Kell. And he was the one of the former executive directors who was there uh, in, uh, uh, in Davos when the Global Compact was founded. And the Global Compact is the largest sustainability initiative in the world. And he helped us uh, set up an SDG task force so we really, within our governance structure of the RGC, we set up a task force co-chaired by Richemont and the De Beers Group, uh, Ferial Zaruki and Matthew Kilgariff, 
who are doing a great job bringing companies from different parts of the supply chain together to understand what we can do towards these goals. So where are we now? Well, um, we did a multi-stakeholder consultation to look at, you know, how can we contribute? We made a roadmap 2030, and I invite everyone to go to our website, which provides a clear pathway of what we want to achieve by 2030 and how. So it really shows how you can have an impactful contribution. And we also explained, okay, what goals are important? And I think they're pretty logic, but, you know, one is gender, uh, SDG 5, eight, decent labor, uh, 12, responsible production and consumption, um, uh, 13, climate, uh, and then also partnerships and peace. Then, uh, I don't want to overcomplicate everything for the audience, but I think it's important to be credible. You need metrics. So we established metrics based on uh, international best practices so that companies can almost have a toolbox so they can it's like a report card now you can say well i'm going to start off very small and take 10 metrics that i will look at every year how i will progress or maybe you want to be a seven star hotel and you'll start with 50 metrics so this year is all about uh, testing the waters piloting giving small companies and big companies the opportunity to use the tools uh, we have a technology solution also for it, Avi. I think that's important, uh, working in partnership with Arabesque. And why do we want to do it? Because I really believe it's my responsibility also leading this organization that we can show measurable positive impact. Right. And and measure progress as the years go by. Yes, exactly. To s- sort of sum up, the, the RJC's chosen those five five. Of the 17 um, SDGs, the SDGs for, for, for our audience is the Sustainable Development Goals that, um, that, that you um, outlined earlier. So those are the sort of the industry's focus, those. Um, and so when you, when you talk about gender equality um, and you know, it's decent labor, responsible production, climate and partnerships, what, what is the, the practical implication for, for members um, and the industry at large? So, um, you know, just as a as an ex- to to use the example of gender equality, it would be bringing more a broader female leadership to to an organisation. Um, is that is that a fair example? Or? Uh, well, uh, I wish it was that simple. <laughs> no, no, I mean it's a good example, Avi. So let me be clear. Well, well I'm just I'm just trying to bring a a, a practical um, yeah. picture to, to to people who yeah. who might who might be interested to to pers- pursue these as everyone should. Yeah, no, no. I think it's a, it's a great example of, uh, <laughs> that we're sharing, Avi. No, but I'm always saying because gender is a complex issue. But we we uh, what we do is you know we we give companies tools, and that can be you know tools that are already available that we don't need to reinvent the wheel. And one of them is, for example, the uh, UN Women uh, uh, Empowerment Principles and the uh, 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 assessment you can do, and it's free online where really you can fill in a list of questions for your company, what you're doing, yes, no. Uh, and then it gives you at the end, uh, it gives you an example of a, it gives you a rating, which is benchmarked. And then it tells you what you can do. And what you can do, of course, it's very simple things. It can also be just starting to look at equal pay. Right, of course. Uh, it, you're very right. It can also be looking at, okay, how can I bring indeed more female leaders uh, through education? Um how can I maybe develop a mentorship program? 
Um, how can I work with suppliers, uh, women entrepreneurs? I mean, they're, they're really different opportunities. But one, I think the first step is always education, uh, Avi. And, and we work very closely with uh, Sibjo, Dr. Kitsano Cavalieri also on that, because we believe education is the baseline to get people to move. First, you know, understand, then give tools. And I think that's also the big added value that we as RGC, we give webinars, we give smaller group sessions to help companies and understand, you know, what, what, what are the steps that you can do? And I'm also happy to announce that in March uh, on International Women's Day, we will launch a gender toolkit for small enterprises. Hmm. That's great. Thank you for, for, for clarifying all that. And um, I think it might be also important to say that those aren't exclusive goals for the jewelry industry. Um, and it would be, those are just a, a, a sort of a, a focus. It's, it's very difficult for, I think, for even individual companies to, to take on all 17 SDGs. Um, and, and I think that's the advice that, um, that those, uh, you know, the, the, those who formulated the, the, those goals were to, were to, um, just focus on one would, you know, you know, choose a, choose a good goal and, and that will, will help, um, the collective. And so, um, so it's certainly, certainly not exclusive to, to the, to those others. Um, Iris, thank you very much. Is there is there anything else that uh, that we should be aware of in terms of the, the RJC's um, work and in terms of your your goals and and, and maybe what, what do you, do you have any shorter term goals? What what are the, what are the um, what's the RJC agenda for twenty twenty two in particular? First of all, uh, I'd like to take the opportunity to to thank all our members you know, uh, with over 1,500 members now in 71 countries. That means is that you have all these leaders that are committed to the sustainability agenda. And uh, so I, I think gratitude, we would not exist without our members. Um, but second, also partnerships. We will continue to focus on partnerships, uh, Avi, because no one can do it alone. Uh, we talked about it, supply chains are long multi multi-tier, you need uh, the NGOs, uh, and, and I respect tremendously the work of human rights, watching Global Witness and Impacts, etc., just to name a few, because they will give us, you know, facts from on the ground, or they will give recommendations. And it's important then as an industry to look at, you know, what we can do together uh, to contribute to economic, uh, socioeconomic development. So partnerships will continue to be important, especially our work on the SDGs. Uh, this year, you will see a lot of work on uh, on measuring and reporting. Uh, it will be, I call it a transition year to help uh, companies bring them up to speed, understand what they can do uh, and give them the tools to learn uh, and then to go full speed ahead in 2023. And another important milestone will, of course, will also be the lab-grown material standard. And we've seen many of our members that work with different materials um, and so it's good that we also offer a credible solution based on ICL international best practice to develop a standard and give that solution to the industry. And of course, all our work also on the colored gemstones. We shouldn't forget that colored gemstones is, you know, 90% artisanal. Um, it also needs a lot of care. And I'm, you know, and, uh, and we also have a special working group on that where again, we will uh, bring out uh, more education tools, etc. 
to support the industry. So looking at, at the future, Avi, uh, the only way forward is partnerships. And uh, at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about um, when the RGC was founded, that was exactly based on a partnership model, you know, uh, from mining to retail, competitors were sitting around the table to develop the standard. I think moving ahead, it's about partnerships with, you know, very different organizations around the world to continuously work on the sustainability agenda. And just to name a few, but, you know, uh, I definitely want to recognize the efforts of the World Diamond Council, um, but also, you know, SIBJO on education. Uh, you have Diamonds Do Good, um, GVC, uh, WGA. There's so many organizations uh, that are all working on, the, on, on purpose. And I think that's where we will see much more synergies, uh, much more collaborative work. Uh, to educate and also to inform our stakeholders. And I think that's the right path ahead. Um, and I think, I think a final word I would say is that, you know, uh, we have an enormous opportunity, uh, but also an enormous responsibility to do good. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I've, I've worked in fashion technology, I've worked for government, but my heart is very close to this industry because of, of the beauty we create. It's, it's lifestyle, it's art, it's fashion. Everything is intertwined in a piece of jewelry, but that piece of jewelry has to show good. And so, uh, and I believe that should be our purpose. And, uh, and uh, I'm very much looking forward with my team uh, that I'm very proud of Avi uh, to to do that. Yeah. Well, I think that's a it's a good um, note, positive note to to end with, and I, and I do think that we can give us the the industry some credit as well that it has taken um, great strides and and really there's been um, good positive developments over the over the years, and I think. And I think part of that is um, because we have organizations such as the RJC, it's a very well-structured industry. And, and that highlights um, how self-regulated the industry is and, um, and how, uh, as I said, I think we can give ourselves some credit for, for really taking these issues on board and, and creating a structure that, um, that at least has the intention to do the right thing and um, I commend you on your work and 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 that uh, the RJC should um, should have a successful year in all its endeavors so thanks very much for joining us Iris it's been a pleasure and in and an education um, chatting to you as always and um, I hope to see you soon uh, in person again soon. Uh, Avi, I hope to see you soon uh, in person too. And I hope to talk to you soon also about all our work on gender then for March. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks. Um, thanks very much, Irish. And thank you all for joining us. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Ignite, a full-service innovation science and technology division within the De Beers Group, spearheading step change throughout the diamond industry. 